All right. Well, let's go ahead and dive into it. Uh, I'm pretty pumped about the series that we're in. Uh, we're in a series called Attack the Impossible. Uh, there's certain times when you have a problem or a situation, and it's so big, it's so huge, that you just think you're going to have this problem for the rest of your life. Um, sometimes someone is born with a handicap, a physical handicap, a mental, emotional handicap, and the parents could think, this is going to be my lot in life. Um, this is the cross that my child is going to have to bear. It is what it is. I want to tell you that in John 10.10, 10, it says that Satan came to kill, steal, and destroy. But God came, Jesus came, to give life and life more abundantly. And so if whatever problem you're looking at, whether it's a disease, whether it's some, a marital strife, whether it's financial, regardless of what the miracle needs to be, whatever the problem is, if it's not life and life more abundantly, don't settle for that. You may have to fight the battle for hours and then all of a sudden you get your miracle. You might have to fight it for one second and you get your miracle. You might have to fight it for five years, 10 years, 15 years. You never know what God is going to do, when he's going to do it. But I want you to begin to embrace this mindset of God does miracles today. He does miracles. There's a, um, uh, a whole tribe of Christianity, good people, people who are going to heaven. They are in the category of a sensationalist cessationalness. I always mispronounce it. It's uh, S-E-S, no, C-E-S-S, cessationalist. They are people who believe in Jesus. They're Christians. They're going to heaven one day, but they don't believe in miracles anymore. They believe that the last miracle that happened was the last one that we read about in the Bible. And Sometimes you can, people go to churches for decades and the pastor himself is a sensationalist, so he skips over miracles, skips over healing. There's a, a verse in John chapter 14, verse 12, where it says, where Jesus says, those who believe in me will do the works that I have done, even greater works, because I'm going to the Father. There's preachers that will skip over that verse because they don't believe that they or anybody else is going to do the miracles that Jesus did. So they skip over that verse. They skip over um, Mark chapter 16. They skip over Psalms 103.3. They skip over these things. I want to tell you, if you continue to hang out here, um, you are going to get ruined by the Holy Spirit. Because 
Since November, we've had, I used to say over 200, but now it's over 300. We've had over 300 miracles and healings that have happened at Celebration Church. Over 300. Now, if you're new here, or maybe you've been around here for a little while, and you're like, uh, I, don't, I wish I wasn't a skeptic, but I am. Um, uh, you're, you're skeptical, but yet you're hopeful. Hopeful skepticism. If that's you, don't feel bad. You're hopefully skeptical because you're a human being and you're, you don't have a deep point of reference. You didn't grow up around this stuff. Uh, and even if you did, you didn't see it as often as we're seeing it today. So you have a hopeful skepticism. I just want to let you know when God sees your hopeful skepticism, he's excited about it. He's not looking at you going, oh my goodness, you don't... He, he's excited about it. Because he can tell that you're looking at it and you're going, I want it to be real. I hope it's real. If it's not real, I wish it would be real. And, and God, if you make my faith go up like, a, like a, a helium balloon. You know, he sees that in you and he loves that about you. And I just want to say, just keep on watching, keep on hanging out here. You'll see it, but you'll get ruined. Meaning, if you ever leave this church, let's say you move to California or whatever, don't tell me about it because I'll get jealous. Uh, You'll walk into the city and you'll look for a church that believes in miracles. You'll get ruined because when you feel the presence of God in a service, and you see the presence of God moving, you can walk into a church and in a nanosecond, you'll be able to tell whether or not the Spirit of God is in that church. You can walk into a church and they're all Christians, but they don't believe in miracles, they don't believe in healing, they don't believe in the move of the Spirit in that way, and you will be able to tell that fast. Because once you've been in an environment like this, you're ruined for the rest of your life. You'll be able to walk in and go, nah. Are you with me? Say yes. How many of you are ruined? I'm just, I'm just curious. You, you walked into this church and you're like, I'll tell you whether or not the Holy Spirit is here. I know how you are. You're walking. Let, let me say it. Um, and so you'll continue to be ruined with every new experience. Um, let me share with you, any time the Lord is bringing you to a greater level of faith, any time that you have been believing for something and the breakthrough is about to come, Satan will attempt to throw you one last time. Let me explain to you what I mean by that. In Luke chapter 9, this father came up to Jesus And he was desperate. He said, please help me. My son is possessed with the devil. And the Bible says that that the boy had foam running down his mouth. And the, the devil would throw him down and he would go into these epileptic seizures. And what's so interesting, the Bible says that as the young boy began to approach Jesus... And I want to read specifically in Luke 9:42. It says, "As the boy came forward, the demon 
knocked him to the ground and threw him into a violent convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the evil spirit and healed the boy. But what's interesting is as the boy was approaching Jesus, he's been fighting this demonic battle his whole life. He's closer to Jesus than he's ever been before. The season is almost over. And just as he is about to break through, just as he's about to get his healing, the devil throws him down one last time. I want to tell you, I have seen this hundreds, maybe thousands of times. Not exactly like that. I've seen where people are drawing closer to the Lord than they ever have in their life. They're showing up and they're worshiping and they're, they're, they're not narrow-minded, they're arrow-minded. They're focused, they're pursuing God, and they're not perfect, but they're putting more energy than they ever have in their life. And all of a sudden, Satan will try to throw something at them And it causes that person to stop pursuing. They get discouraged. They get distracted. They get derailed just before their breakthrough. And I go, no! Let me just share with you that when I look over my life and I see these moments where I clearly see that God did something special in my life, almost 100% of the time I can see the season before that was hell on earth. Are you with? I got one person that connected with me. Has anyone here gone through hell on earth? Say yes. And so when you feel the battle intensify. Just know you must be close to something. You can't see it, but you must be close to something. Watch this. Sometimes I'll see a person all of a sudden go from passionate to careless. They can care less about church, care less about God, and I want to go, what happened? You know, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, it says that in the last days, right before Jesus comes back, sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. Love cannot grow cold unless it used to be hot. So right before Jesus comes back, People are going to be passionate for God. And then all of a sudden, hell will see, Satan will see this passion and throw and cause this lethargy, this careless attitude to come upon them. They go from passionate to careless. Have you ever seen somebody that used to be passionate and now they're careless? It's like, what happened? They begin to not care about the things of God. In Revelations chapter 3, verse 20, God says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, 
Now, it's interesting because the Bible says that he stands at the door and knocks. But yet he says, if anyone hears my voice, so he's, he's, he's yelling at the same time as he's knocking. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because your whole life, he, will, he has not ever let you alone. When I was in high school, I used to go to North Shore High School on the east side of Houston. I went to Lamar University in Beaumont. And there were many seasons where I was not going to church. I'm just out acting a fool. I know none of y'all have ever done that. <laughs> I'm out acting a fool. It doesn't matter how foolish I got. God was always in the back of my mind. Is there anyone here that can testify to that? doesn't matter how foolish you act. You can be in a bar, drunk off your rocker. Jesus loves you, man. It's like, what in the world are you talking about Jesus for when you're drunk off your rocker? Because when people get drunk, they talk, there's no filter. What's in there comes out, right? And all of a sudden, people start, Jesus loves you, man. Well, you're drunk. Yeah, but God can't, he won't leave you alone. He stands at the door and he knocks. And anyone who says, okay, come into my heart. I'm not going to act, I'm done acting. There's nothing out there for me. I want you, and I want all of you, and you're the only thing I care about. He comes in, and he dines with you, and you dine with him. But in the last days, that last throw, he will do anything he can to distract you, to discourage you, to cause a crisis of faith and make you wonder if this stuff is real. When this happens, it's the enemy's last throw. I've seen people lose their job out of nowhere, and they're like, what is happening? They have family, they have kids, and all of a sudden they lose their job. This is the enemy giving his last desperate throw because he's seen you make so much progress. When you feel a heightened attack, you should back up and say, I must be close. I must be close. That's not the time to back off. That's the time to increase your energy. Somebody say, I got it. Say it again, I got it. Number two, anytime you're going to attack the impossible, you have to pray with a little bit of attitude. You have to pray with a little bit of attitude. Now, sometimes when you pray for like, let's say, your Cheerios in the morning, you bore your bowl of Cheerios and you're like, Jesus, thank you for this food. Amen. You're not even really paying attention. Anytime you talk to God, it's good that you're talking to him. There is no bad conversation. When you say, Jesus, thank you for these Cheerios, he says, you're welcome. Amen. I used to have a guy teach me and train me on running a half marathon, full marathon, and he used to say, all miles are good miles, Frankie. If you go out there and you run and you only ran one mile, that's a good mile. You ran 10 miles, that's a good mile. You think you didn't run good? All miles are good miles. Let me tell you, all prayers are awesome prayers. But they're not all equal. <laughs> when you need a breakthrough, when you need a miracle, the way you pray for your Cheerios is not going to cut it. 
It's not going to cut it. You're laughing because you know exactly what I mean, right? It's not going to cut it. So if, if somebody in your family has cancer, you can't be like, Lord, take the cancer away. Amen. That ain't going to cut it. Are you with me? Say yes. How many of you were raised by a mother or a grandmother that knows how to pray down thunder? Let me see. Yes. I want to know who you are. Raise your hand. If you have a mother or you need to raise your hand. I'm looking at your mom. You're, I know she can pray. Knows how to pray down thunder. See, this, is, it, this baton from generation to generation needs to be passed on. Our grandmother did it. Our mother did it. It's time for us to take the baton. We can't pray like we're praying for our Cheerios when we need a breakthrough. Whenever I'm alone with the Lord and I have these scriptures in your app, I've got about, I don't know how many scriptures I pray every single, uh, every single day. Every day I pray these scriptures. Every single day. Every single day. I put some of the scriptures that I pray in the app. But when I come before the Lord and I say these scriptures, I don't say them with passivity. When I pray these scriptures, I'm praying him. Gemini wrote that song, Compel. Oh, I love that song. She sang it today. When I worship you, I want to worship you in a way that compels you to move. See, in Luke chapter 13, verse 11, it says, If you being sinful know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more does the Father in heaven give his Holy Spirit to those who ask? In Matthew seven eleven, it says, give good things to those who ask. Now watch this. If all of a sudden your child says, I need, and they say it like this, I need you. A parent who's sinful goes, oh, I got help. So when I worship and I pray, I worship in a way that when he's looking at me, he, he's going to move. Because I couldn't look at my kid if he was talking to me like that, and I'm sinful. So when I come before him, I'll start straight away. Psalms 5.3 says, every morning I wake up, I'll be back at it again, laying the pieces of my life on your altar, waiting for the fire to fall. Father, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. I am back at it again. I was here yesterday. I'm here today. I'll be here tomorrow. I'll be here the next day. I am back at it again. Come on, put your hands together for that. Absolutely. When I come walking into church on a Sunday morning, I say, God, your word says in Psalms 26, verse 8, I love your sanctuary because it's where your glorious presence dwells. If your presence is in the room, then I want to feel it. If your presence is in the room, I don't want to just stare at each other. I don't want to look at you and you look at me. I want you to rock my world today. I just want you to know that I pray into your life all the time. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 14, it says this. This one's not in your app. I just thought of it. It says, are not angels ministering spirits sent to the heirs of salvation? So another way of saying it, angels are ministering spirits sent to the people who are going to heaven. And so I say, God, those people are coming to church today. Send, I pray this all the time, 
send your angels to them. And I start picturing these angels laying their hands on your back while you're in the car. I start picturing these angels laying their hands on your back while you're in your, in, at work, at your desk. I start picturing these angels walking up to you while you're laying in your bed on a Sunday morning going, get up, get up. <laughs> An angel kicked Peter when he was sleeping in the prison, kicked him and said, wake up, let's get out of here. Some of you are heavy sleepers. You need a kick. How many of you are a heavy sleeper? Let me see you. There's somebody in my family, I'm not going to mention their names, but when they snore, they almost suck the blanket right into their face. The whole blanket. I'm like, God, send your angels. Go kick them out of bed. Bring them to church. But when they walk in, they're not coming to see some bald-headed Italian. They want to experience your presence. And I pray like this, presence. Because if he's looking at me, I'm going to pray in a way that compels them to move. Cheerios is fine, but I need a miracle. Are you with me? I need a miracle. I don't care what you're fighting in Psalms 34, verse 7. It's so funny. <laughs> how many of you grew up in Houston? You know, Akeem Olajuwon. Raise your hand. This is how I memorized that verse. His number was 34. And he used to block people shot all the time. And Jesus' favorite number, so I believe, is 7. And in Psalms 34, 7, it says that the angel of the Lord, like Akeem Olajuwon, stands... <laughs> above stands above come here David right here the angel of the Lord stands above those who love him and delivers them if you love him and you haven't been delivered bring that scripture up you didn't put it in the Bible he put it in the Bible He's the one that promised it, not you. Are you with me? Say yes. Thank you. Love the haircut. Love. Love the haircut. So many miracles and healings happen here that every single Sunday we have somebody show up and share a miracle that took place at celebration or while somebody was praying for them. Every Sunday. And, uh, and this is no different. And the reason why we do this is because I want to build your faith. Because right after that, I pray for people to get healed. Now, if you get healed here, it is your responsibility to get on the website and to tell us about it. It's your responsibility. Because if you don't give glory to God, you're stealing his glory. If I try to take the credit for people getting healed, I'm stealing his, core, his glory. So I can't take his credit and you can't not give him credit. Are you with me? Um, and so I want uh, Eileen Riffley. Where are you? Um, Eileen Riffley. She has been a trooper. Uh, she has, get, this is her third time this morning sharing this testimony. Um, you have done so good. It's not as easy as it looks. Do it one more time because you've been doing great. Okay, so... I'm a type 1 brittle diabetic since after high school. 
Um, back in December, I started receiving shots in my eyes to save my vision. I've had nine surgeries. Um, Margo prayed with me out in the lobby. In May, I lost my vision completely in my left eye. I had a massive hemorrhage inside the eye. They gave me one more shot. I came back, they gave me one more shot. And then I, I had a procedure done and now I see perfectly. In Can we just clap for that? I mean, that's huge. My goodness. In, in April, Pastor Frankie pay, prayed over me for my neck because of, I, I had a back fusion. He prayed over my neck. It looked like we were going to have to have the operation done on the neck. I felt myself get warm. I was crying. I could not stop myself. And I don't have that procedure coming up ahead of me, and it will not happen. Praise God. I love it. I love it. Um, in June, I ended up in the hospital three times. My husband always said that if you say you're going to do something like I said I was going to Brazil, I'm going to Brazil. He says the attacks are coming. In June, I ended up in the hospital three times in 10 days. They didn't know why. They said I was dehydrated. They said it was orthostatic blood pressure. They did a lumbar puncture on me to uh, check for meningitis. They didn't know what it was. They discharged me even though I was still sick. Something was very, very bad. My blood sugars were crazy. I ended up going back to the hospital. They did a blood patch because I was leaking cerebral spinal fluid, but that, that doctor wouldn't listen to me. I got out of the hospital the next day. I ran errands. Debbie ran into me at the store. She's like, um, weren't you just in the hospital? And I said, well, Pastor Duane came up Thursday night, and him and my husband and my friend Emma, they prayed for me, and I'm fine. Praise God. Praise God. I love it. I have not gone without insulin. I can't tell you how many years I haven't been able to not without insulin since that hospital stay. The second day I was out, I forgot to change my pump out, and I went 12 hours without insulin. And I thought, oh my God, I went without insulin. That's not good. You know, I'm, I'm probably going to be way up there again. It was 83. Wow. I, what's happening? You know, so a couple more times I went without insulin, and my sugars never got out of the normal range. And I thought, what is going on here? You know, I'm the, the, the little, I'm hopeful. I'm going to have to, you know, but I haven't changed anything. What's going on? And I can tell you, I went from taking 55 plus units to bolus my meals. I don't bolus my meals. I've done it like maybe three, four times since that hospital stay. I'm down to 12 units a day. My goodness. Just basil. Wow. It's all God. It's all God. It's mm -hmm. prayer. It's belief. It's that little skeptic. Come on, show yes. me, and it happened. Praise God. That's so good. That is so good. Thank you so much. Would everyone here stand to your feet for me, please? You know, I don't know what miracle you need. I don't know what miracle you're praying for. Um, and I don't know how many times you've prayed for it. I don't know. But I do know this. Anything that has happened prior to this moment doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because what's going to happen right now is all that matters. And I believe the Lord is going to touch you. I believe you're going to receive the miracle that you need. 
If you need a, a healing in your body, regardless of what it is, I'd like for you to come out of your seat as quickly as you can and just come down here and stand shoulder to shoulder in this room. Just come down here, shoulder to shoulder, about two or three feet away from the stage. Just come down here as quickly as you can. If you need a healing in your body, just come down here. All right, I thank you. I thank you, Jesus. Everyone here, just raise your hand right where you're at. Lord, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Some of you, the healing that you need, you're going to receive before we pray for you. Before we pray for you, you're going to receive the healing that you need. You're going to receive it just while I'm talking, while I'm praying. The Holy Spirit's moving on you. Some of you, the, the, the healing that you need is internal, so you can't provoke it, like it's your kidneys or your heart or something like that. But if it's a physical pain, a physical pain, like a, a pain in your elbow, look at me for a second, then I want you to try to hurt it. I want you to provoke the pain. And I want you to keep doing that because as you're doing it, you'll find that the pain is going to go away. If it's your neck, then I want you to move your neck. If it's your eye, look at me. If it's your right eye, I want you to close the good one, and I want you to keep testing it and keep testing it and keep testing it. Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, and as soon as you find that the healing is begun, as soon as you can tell that it's begun, I want you to look at me and go like this. Even if you're not 100%, you can tell. No, don't say in faith. Manifested. It's manifested. You can tell that it is starting. You can see it. You can tell the pain is going away. I want you to look at me and just go just like this. I want you to wave your hands at me as soon as you can see. Can you see? Can you tell, Lois, that it's going away? Just keep on going. See, it's already happening. You, you can tell that it's going away. Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, 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 I just pray for your healing virtue right now to begin to move through. If you're a prayer partner in the crowd, if you're a prayer partner, I want you to come down here and just start finding people and start praying for them. Start finding them. Start finding them in the name of Jesus. And don't pray long. Just go from one to the next. Shelly, are you a prayer partner? You should be. If you're not, come on. Lord, we love you, Jesus. Um, I'm drawing a blank. My friends, you know who you are, plaid shirt. I'm drawing a blank. I'm sorry, I forgot. Yeah, I forgot your guys' names. You Both of y'all should be prayer partners. Come on. Lord, we love you. We love you. Lord, we love you. You know, I'm going to regret it if I don't mention it. 
Um, is there anyone here who's uh, who's left hand, not right, left, left fin- fingers on your on your left hand, not your right hand? If it is your right hand, then we want to pray for you. But I want to specifically. I just want to know if that's the Lord. Is it you? All right, it's been on my mind. Come on over here. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Just stand right here because I believe the Lord's about to heal you. If he hasn't already, he might heal you before I touch you because it's been on my mind. And then also, um, I want to be as specific as possible because when you got several hundred people in a room, you know, the probability of somebody having something is pretty good. So I want to be as specific as possible, okay? Um, just a whole bunch of pain right here on the left-hand side of your neck, on the left-hand side. If it's your right, come down here and have somebody pray for you. But is there anyone with the left? And it feels tingly. It feels tingly a lot, tingly. It's like um, like uh, more painful than your arm falling asleep. It's just tingly. Is that anyone or is it just me? It could just be me. Sometimes I feel like the Lord spoke to me and and he didn't. It's just me. In the name of Jesus. Is it on the left side? Well, that's you then. Stand right here. Is it you? Come here. Come here. Come here. I want to pray for you. The Lord's probably going to heal you before I get to you. That usually happens when a word of knowledge goes out. The Lord starts healing people before I even pray for them. Lord, we love you. Is there anyone here, this is not a word of knowledge, this is just, I want to pray for you if you do. Does anyone here have cancer in their body? Is it you? I want to pray. If you have cancer in your body, I want to pray for you. Um, is it you? All right. All right. Why don't you come over here? This is going to be the section of people that are about to get healed from cancer, okay? Right here. Right here. Right here. Right here. All the way up to the front row. All the way all the way up to the front. All the way up to the front. Come as close as you can to the front. Lord, we love you. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus, Father, in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, begin to move in this room right now. Move in this room. Move in this room. Lord, your word says in Acts chapter 14, verse 3, that you caused mighty healings and miracles to confirm that what was being said was true. Lord, I pray that you would do the same right now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus.